0: Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. I was thinking this morning that it is pretty amazing that for the past 18 years, we have had Dishing Up Nutrition on this radio station each and every Saturday morning.
1: Oh, that is amazing. 18
0: years. Definitely ahead of our time when it comes to radio shows, and now there's that opportunity to have it as podcast yeah. as well. It's wonderful. And that message of eating real food and not processed food has been the message that we love to share. We really do want to sincerely thank all of you for listening. We appreciate your support, and we, too, we really do have a passion about sharing how real food can make you happier and healthier. The nice part is that we really never, learn out of, never run out of topics that we're willing to share, especially since nutrition is always changing. Um, So this morning, the topic of choice is going to be about a condition called PCOS. So let's introduce ourselves. I'm Jolene Carlson, a licensed nutritionist, mom of four kids, and a previous career of teaching high school Mm -hmm. for 20 years before I moved into this wonderful career of nutrition. For me... My story around what we're talking about today kind of goes back to um, my struggles with weight gain, prediabetes, and insulin resistance. As we'll learn today, has a lot to do with PCOS. It does. Today, you probably heard her voice. We have the lovely Brittany Vicent, who is also registered and licensed dietitian, a mother of three children under the age of three. Let's just call her superwoman. <laughs> um and Brittany also has a lot to share about PCOS and how it's affected her life. Good morning, Brittany.
1: Good morning. Yeah, I, you know, I was diagnosed with PCOS. I had to do the math, but uh, eight years ago now. Wow. And it it kind of it was a, a fluky. Th- fluky reason that I got diagnosed because I always had regular periods. And as we're going to talk about today, one of the really common symptoms of PCOS is irregular periods. And so basically what we found out is I was not ovulating and all of my lab values were out of range. And so my doctor, you know, i I did some research on my own and I was like, oh, wow, you know, my symptoms and my labs really coincide with PCOS. Do you think this is what I have? And her response was, yeah, probably, but you don't need to change anything. Whenever you want to get pregnant, we'll just put you on a pill. Hmm. Such a common
0: response. Absolutely.
1: Yep. And needless to say, I've never seen her again. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Time and, to find a new doctor he, right? <laughs> for you anyway. Yep.
1: <laughs> and I knew at some point I wanted to have kids and I wanted to figure this out and put put the time and energy into it at that time so that when I wanted to get pregnant, it hopefully wasn't a struggle. Mm-hmm. So um, I found a different doctor who verified the PCOS and. Then I just committed to making lifestyle and and nutrition changes to rebalance my hormones. And it has no doubt been a journey because it takes time Mm -hmm. to rebalance hormones. It really does.
0: That's such a great proactive story. And it just really shows that because you knew yourself best, which is always the case Mm -hmm. with people, and you knew that there was something off that you kept trying to pursue what was going on. And obviously it did work as now you're a mom of three young children, as we mentioned, recent birth yes. of twins. Um, but it's just such a a good story of knowing yourself and then advocating for yourself and your care and, and working with a team that understands what your concerns are and then taking those steps to change. And like you said, sometimes that takes a while. My story was much more hindsight like i i believe i had pcos when i was Mm -hmm. diagnosed with insulin resistance irregular periods i was told to be on the pill all those typical Mm -hmm. you know um, things that happen and i was in my early 20s and just didn't know what i didn't know um and luckily for me i was able to change those signs and symptoms through food so we keep using this acronym pcos which probably define it for our listeners in case you don't know PCOS is polycystic ovarian syndrome, okay? So, of course, it's affecting many, many women. And it's one of the most common hormonal disorders found in women, affecting 5 to 10% of women. And that, that may or may not seem like a lot, but when that stat was kind of taken into numbers of the amount of women in the world, how much is 5 to 10%, we're talking about 1.6 million women. okay? a lot. Okay? So yes, maybe that gives you a different perspective of how many it is. So it's more common than we may realize. And in addition to that, many of us are probably suffering or showing signs and symptoms and might not even know it. Exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. And and it can affect women from puberty to, you know, perimenopause to even postmenopause. And like you, Brittany, it's the leading cause of infertility. And that's when people typically start to seek out answers or like, why mm-hmm. am I unable to get pregnant or why do I have infertility? Um, can you tell us more about the the infertility and hormone of PCOS, Brittany?
1: Yeah, I have so many clients who, you know, like you said, they are struggling with infertility, so they seek out answers. And then that's when they get the diagnosis, which is so unfortunate because then, you know, they feel extra pressure to, to make these changes. And it's just a very stressful time. Um, so I hope, you know, there's women listening that might realize, Oh, wow, this could be what's happening with me. Mm -hmm. And like you said earlier, Jolene, um, you know, you, you know, your body best. So seeking out answers now. So again, if, if you, do want to get pregnant in the future? You've already done that work, and what we're going to talk a lot about today is how complex PCOS is. It's a hormone and an endocrine syndrome, and it has many different symptoms. And so that is also why it can be difficult to diagnose because it really does manifest differently in every woman, and usually. PCOS is a condition where the ovaries produce excess amounts of androgen hormones, testosterone, and DHEA. And we typically think of those as male sex hormones, but women, we need them too. Mm -hmm. We don't produce them as much. And, you know, having too much of them can create problems.
0: Yeah, it's just basically, I mean, it's basic, but it's simple but complicated like many things in our body, right? Mm -hmm. It's um. But it's really just, it's a hormonal imbalance. But it's not just a hormone imbalance, it's an imbalance in general. So Mm -hmm. that's why it shows up in so many different ways. You use the word syndrome. I love that. Another word for syndrome is kind of like spectrum. So if you think Mm -hmm. about all these different ways that PCOS can show up for people, yes, hormonal is definitely one of the major ones. But as we're going to talk about today, there's a lot of other things that can be indicators that you might be suffering from, from PCOS or just metabolic disorders in general. And the name polycystic ovary syndrome describes the cyst that can form in the ovaries, which does happen mm-hmm. for some people, but not all people. Okay. Exactly. Um, so, again, paying attention to the fact that when we talk about PCOS, we look at it as a syndrome. Or a spectrum where the signs and symptoms are very varied by the individual. Okay, so we want today to make sure that, like you said, Brittany, we can hopefully have women that are listening and they know what they're feeling. They, you know, they know they're having things that are going off, or they're they they do not have balances that they might desire. And maybe this reaches them that they can start to have this conversation with their nutritionist, their dietitian, their doctor, and get help earlier than later.
1: Absolutely. Well, you know, I think it is time for our first break. You are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. Today we're discussing the common causes of PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome. And we're also pointing out some of the common symptoms of PCOS. After the show, if you have additional questions, please don't hesitate to send us an email at email at weightandwellness.com or call us at 651 651- six nine nine three four three eight and we'll address your questions and concerns. That's email at weightandwellness.com or six five one six nine nine three four three eight. We will be back.
0: Can you guys believe that Mother's Day is just around the corner? It's already next Sunday, May eighth. If you're still wondering what do I get my special mom this year? We have a perfect gift to honor moms. We put together a real food cooking package that includes a cooking class with Chef Marianne, Dar's Weight and Wellness Cookbook, a wooden spoon with our logo, and a real food shopping list. This entire bundle is only $45. Treat your, spe- treat your mom to a special gift this Mother's Day and call us at 651-699-3438 to order. What
1: a great idea.
0: Yeah, that sounds fun. Yeah. If it my does. family's listening, you can do that for me.
1: <laughs> there you go. Make it easy. Yeah.
0: But yeah, that sounds like a really fun package. So, Brittany, before break, we were just kind of talking about um, the syndrome of PCOS. Yep. It can mean so many things. And that's why we're here today to have this conversation. Yeah. And you have a really great way of explaining how there's different types. Can you tell us more about that?
1: Yeah, so there there's different types and causes of PCOS and in through my own personal journey, I've spent a lot of time reading and, you know, modifying things myself. And for me personally, I have identified, I believe my type of PCOS is called the inflammatory PCOS. And so for me, my symptoms were um, oily skin, acne, dark, excessive body hair, um, which is really not fun. Never fun. <laughs> not what most of us want, right? Yeah. <laughs> I had two ovarian cysts rupture And, you know, my labs did reveal I had excess androgens, high testosterone, high DHEA, had really low progesterone, which meant I wasn't ovulating. And, you know, at at that time in my life, when I think about what was causing inflammation, stress, I had a a very stressful job at the time. Mm -hmm. My sleep schedule was super wonky and irregular um, so sometimes I'd be up at four thirty in the morning for work. Sometimes I could sleep in, wow. which is yeah. not, not healthy to have a different sleep schedule every day. And, uh, I had a really imbalanced gut. I had had so many antibiotics over the years for ear infections, um, acne at that, at the time in my early twenties, I had chronic UTIs, um, and then I was, I was getting reactive hypoglycemia and I didn't recognize necessarily that's what it was till later, but um, my blood sugar would get into the sixties a couple times, even into the forties, which makes you feel very, very poor. Yeah. Those ups and downs yes. had to just be hard on you. And so that I really, again, focused on reducing that inflammation in my body through the diet and lifestyle changes. And I'll share later today what I personally changed to to rebalance everything. And again, as I mentioned earlier, it takes time. Mm-hmm. So go into this knowing that it's a marathon, not a sprint. I mean, really anything, rebalancing anything in the body takes time and commitment, but um, hormones especially do. So, you know, I just talked about the inflammatory type of PCOS, but the most common type of PCOS um, or cause is insulin resistance. And when you have insulin resistance, that means your cells don't use insulin normally, and you're, you're not able to carry the glucose in the cells as efficiently. So then your body continues to make more insulin. Well, the problem is, as the tissues in the body become insulin resistant, your pituitary gland and ovaries remain insulin sensitive, meaning that they don't have any issue carrying the glucose in the cells. So this can eventually lead to that increase in androgen production and low progesterone causing that anovulation or lack of ovulation, and and this is... Really, at the root of the majority of women that have PCOS, so it's it's about turning around that insulin resistance. Yeah, and you
0: say so many things that just made me really think about how often it does come back to that. And yep. anybody that's been listening to us listening to us for any of those eighteen mm-hmm. years, yep. <laughs> you know, so we've mentioned that maybe a few times how important that blood sugar regulation, yeah. insulin resistance is. And I also like that you said it's a marathon or, or you know, another word is a journey. And yep. really that journey is never done um, because no. we're always trying to optimize and figure out our bodies Absolutely. as they change. Obviously with hormones, that's going to change mm-hmm. for us as women, you know, yep. every year, decade of our life, So it's a constant evaluation, yeah. re-evaluation process, and then figuring out how we can best um, feed our bodies. And then because inflammation is such a great... Way to look at it in the way that we're looking at the root cause, which we like to do. Mm-hmm. You know, signs and symptoms of PCOS defines PCOS, and yeah. those are those are the things that show up. But to really treat it, we have to figure out the why for each of these women, and that's what we do.
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, for you, it was inflammation. For many women, is probably inflammation. Mm-hmm. If we really get down to the root cause, uh, for me, it was insulin resistance. Yeah. Um. I didn't have the diagnosis, you know, officially of PCOS, but I can certainly, like I mentioned earlier, look back and realize that I was having some of the same issues, which eventually did lead to cysts on my ovaries. It just wasn't connected necessarily yeah. as a PCOS thing. It was, you know, a random, a random, thing, random like, oh, you have a cyst yeah. that they found when I was pregnant. And like, we should keep an eye on that oh sort of thing. Um, you know, so again, it's 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 so hard because this can present in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. And if today we can just give all of you listening the power to understand and the education that there are so many ways that this can show up, Mm -hmm. but you can at least start to ask these questions and find out more. So you can, you too can be proactive and go on this journey of health,
1: right? So Jolene, I think you have, A client story to share about PCOS, right? Yeah,
0: this one is a a good one because it it does show like sometimes for a lot of people, this shows up like in their late teens, Mm -hmm. early 20s. And so we do have a lot of young women. And sometimes we think that it's only unhealthy people or overweight people. But we have a lot of people that are healthy weights and athletes, Mm -hmm. you know, that can experience some of these signs and symptoms. So my client, um, she's a college student, a college athlete. And she didn't understand, in spite of being, of course, very active, you know, she would spend one or two hours in the morning working out, same in the afternoon, to just, you know, maintain her standard of her, her sport um, that she was doing. But she was still gaining weight around her stomach. You know, she mm-hmm. just felt like all of a sudden she went from being able to eat whatever she wants to having that extra stomach weight gain, which is a sign for a lot of us. Um, And then it got to the point where it was uncomfortable to, you know, zip up her pants. She always felt bloated. And then the acne came. Um, And I'm sure many young women out there are resonating with this story. Um, And then some of the painful periods, irregular periods, so on and so forth. And what we found out with her is that basically she started her day because she was working out. She would go after between workout and classes You know, she would down her, you know, nice sugary coffee or have her muffin on the way or just something that was just really high in sugar for her. Yeah. Um, We all have a different tolerance for carbohydrates. Right. But for her, that just ended up being too much. And so she basically, um, in addition to the inflammation from all of her exercise and stress, probably and hormones, she eventually was becoming insulin resistant. So just like you said, for her, that was kind of her problem. And so we addressed it by her diet, her food, finding out what her carbohydrate threshold was for her. And then really for her, too, healing her gut was a big Mm. deal. You know, if we could fix her gut and kind of stop some of the inflammation there, that had kind of that um, effect on the rest of her body as well.
1: Can you just... You know, quickly give a couple of examples of things that she modified. You know, you mentioned like Mm -hmm. she would grab a muffin or maybe a bar quickly. Yeah. Um, What did she do instead in the morning? So that's
0: where we started with her was breakfast, Mm. you know, and especially with being active in the morning like that. We just really need to make sure she was getting those good nutrients, that good balance that we always talk about. And so really protein, fat, vegetables Mm -hmm. were her friend for breakfast and then trying to really um, reduce, at least for breakfast for her, that carbohydrate intake to make sure that she started out her blood sugar in a very stable way so she could be better supported the rest of the day. And then once she was able to do that, she started to feel better right and then we could start to change maybe some of the other tweaks throughout her day for balance oh, but for her great. the big one was was of course breakfast yeah especially that... after being active
1: it's a really smart place to start for anybody you know it's time for our second break already do you struggle with sugar cravings well starting may 16th we're going to be offering a free five-day online challenge called how to break up with sugar During our five-day challenge, you're going to learn the science behind sugar cravings.
0: Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you enjoy our podcast and enjoy the information we share, please write a review so others can see how this information helps you. After 18 years, we have many loyal listeners. And again, we thank you for following us and listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. Our podcasts are information-packed and hopefully life-changing. So please share and let's help make everybody able to have this very important message that Real Food Cures. Brittany, before break, we were talking and trying to get across how complex mm-hmm. PCOS is. And it's hard to do in, a, in a one show because it is, it is that complex. Yeah. Um, But you, you know, you talked really well about the inflammatory type, which you Mm experienced. And then um, I kind of talked about the insulin resistance type that I experienced and shared a client story. Um, But there are still more things that can show their ugly face as PCOS. So do you have some other examples of some of the signs or symptoms?
1: Yeah. So some other, some major signs, symptoms, those irregular periods. Um, excessive body or facial hair. I, I mentioned that the oily skin, acne, PCOS is the number one cause of female infertility. Wow. That's yeah. a big statement. Yes. That is a big statement. Yeah. And yeah, this is this symptom is kind of surprising. About sixty-four percent of women experience depression or anxiety that have PCOS. So that is very common too. Um, some women experience elevated cholesterol, those um, metabolic labs. You had mentioned earlier prediabetes. That can be a common diagnosis with, with PCOS as well because of, again, that insulin resistance connection. Mm-hmm.
0: So really to kind of going to your point of it being an inflammatory disease, any of those inflammation markers, if those are, you know, elevated mm-hmm. or red flags, that too can be some signs and symptoms. Um, you talked about the infertility and pregnancy complications. Yeah. Um, and again, just to say it because it's so important. So PCOS, you said, is the number one reason for infertility. Yep. That's amazing. Um, but women with PCOS are also more likely, if they do get pregnant or when they do get mm-hmm. pregnant, to have gestational diabetes, which has some of its own complications and concerns, as well as yeah. hypertension um, and or high blood pressure.
1: And women with PCOS experience a higher risk for uterine cancer and autoimmune diseases Uh But 40% of women with PCOS also have an autoimmune condition, uh, specifically Hashimoto's. The thyroid condition is very common in women that have PCOS. And, you know, so lifestyle factors often lack of exercise, insufficient sleep, a diet high in refined foods, and low in nutrients, all of those. Things can contribute to PCOS and is often associated with those insulin levels being too high. So we understand the cause. And what we do is we work with women to make those lifestyle and dietary changes to rebalance your hormones. It's possible, um, as you said at the beginning, Jolene, it's possible, you know, I ended up having three beautiful children mm-hmm. and I've seen these, these hormones uh, rebalance in so many women. And I, I do want to mention there are some women um, that, that have come in to see me and they've already had children. And so PCOS is less on their radar because they're kind of thinking, well, I've already had kids, I don't have to worry about this. But as we're talking about today, it is a systemic syndrome. And so it is often still at the root of uh, lots of other symptoms and and imbalances going on in the body. So even if you are past childbearing age, we still need to address the PCOS. And what we want to think about is, Again, those specific dietary changes that we can modify for you.
0: Yeah, and um, both you and I talk about this all the time, as well as the rest of our staff. But that's what we love about our job is we get to, you know, take these things, listen to clients Mm -hmm. and then figure out how we can best help them, which is almost all the time going back to that root cause because when we say these signs and symptoms we've seen we've said symptoms like thyroid Mm -hmm. insulin Mm -hmm. diabetes autoimmune hormone infertility and we know that there's specific doctors you can go to for each of those things Mm -hmm. the difference is that we know that they're all connected yeah right um and so the best approach isn't to put band-aids on because yep. we can't treat one without affecting the other. Absolutely. Right? And so we like to use the approach of let's get to the root right cause so we can have the systemic effect treating all of those other systems or signs and symptoms. Um, yeah. And and the first place to start, like always, you know, for us is going, you know, is with changing those eating habits so we can really, like you said, mm-hmm. Brittany establish, Um, balance again that hormonal balance and metabolism balance Um, so when we go back to our real food message that's really figuring out kind of like I mentioned with my example client Mm -hmm. what is a person's carbohydrate threshold or tolerance Mm -hmm. because it's different for different people and not only how many carbohydrates but the types you know make a difference for certain people and that's what we're here for is to help people understand that. Um, but just as important then is, well, what do you eat? Right. Mm-hmm. And of course, we always go back to and understand that that balance of the, the proteins, the fats, the vegetables and getting a lot of your carbohydrates from those vegetables is really going to support that balance and especially your hormones.
1: So in my experience, um, seeing many clients that have PCOS, cravings. Mm-hmm. They have they yes. really struggle with cravings because they are insulin resistant and they're so sensitive to carbohydrates. So, you know, first that awareness of where are these carbs sneaking in? Mm-hmm. You know, we've been talking about the processed foods, the breads, the pastas, you know, the sugary coffee drinks, all of those absolutely... But, you know, for some women eating too much fruit or too many grains is too many carbohydrates for them and can still um, continue to contribute to that insulin resistance. And so if you are one of those individuals that are struggling with cravings, maybe you need to practice a hard no for a week or two. So just say no thank you to the pancakes, no to that sweetened iced tea, no to the chips, no to that leftover Easter candy. And then all of a sudden, those cravings will magically disappear. And then it becomes a lot easier to make these real food choices if you're not constantly having those cravings.
0: Yeah, we were talking before, before the show Brittany about as hard as it feels sometimes to do that hard no it Mm -hmm. also will be the most rewarding not only in how you feel but Mm -hmm. you really get to see the difference in how you feel and we always say that it's like once people know what it's like to feel good it's hard to go back to when you didn't feel good or when you felt bad right so um so, yeah, that hard no for, you know, one week, two weeks, 30 days, whatever we can do mm-hmm. will really help you see what is actually feeding that inflammation for you. And I like that you said that sometimes even fruits or grains, I mean, those are those are real foods. Those are, you know, good foods for some people. Yep. But somebody like me who's really insulin resistant, I, I have to be very careful with fruit and how much I have and for sure what I eat it with. If yeah. I don't want it to have a negative effect on how I feel. So again, it's very individual. It is. But understanding that and then understanding that by doing these tests where you have hard nose of getting rid of things for a while that might be those triggers will give you that deep understanding about your body mm-hmm. and what makes you feel good
1: yeah so i I thought I'd share a little bit about what I personally modified um to rebalance my hormones, and then we're just gonna continue to to talk about what we have seen what type of eating works best with women with p c o s so for me, you know at the time I was already gluten free um I had figured that maybe a figured that out maybe a year previously. So I made sure to be 100% gluten-free. Uh, I've eliminated dairy as well mm-hmm. because dairy is, can be very inflammatory, both for women with PCOS, but for many people. Well, when you think about dairy, it only comes
0: from cows mm-hmm. that are producing milk, correct? Yep. So just like for humans, when you produce milk, think about your hormones yeah. at that time. Okay, so if we're ha- talking about hormonal imbalances, there's a whole lot that can be going on with extra hormones yes. from dairy products for some people.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, and some dairy can actually increase an in insulin response because dairy contains something called insulin-like growth hormone, and so for me, I I eliminated the dairy. I focused on a lot of healthy fats, which we're going to expand upon, and I lowered my carbohydrates even more. And at the time, I I had come a long way. Talk <laughs> about a process. You know, it's, this really been a process over years for me, but I used to grab a bar in the morning and at the time it was like a 100 calorie bar cuz oh yes, I, I was remember still those. <laughs> in those low calorie low fat mode and um and then it might be followed up by a sandwich and then pasta for dinner so i used to eat so many carbs and over years i dwindled that down and at the time of my diagnosis i wasn't eating those processed carbs but I was still eating too many carbs for my body. Mm -hmm. It was creating inflammation. So I really focused on um, those non-starchy veggies instead and upping that to increase fiber as well and, and making sure to get enough protein. So I, I made those changes in myself and again, that made all the difference. We, we, After a year of making those lifestyle and dietary changes, we retested my hormones um, and everything was within the optimal range. And that was without you going on any birth
0: control hormone therapy. Exactly. That's so great to hear. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, So it is time for our last break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk more about this action plan of what to do if you have PCOS. You know, today we've focused on hormonal health of women, but let's switch gears and talk about the hormonal problem of prostate inflammation. It's reported that 50% of men by the age of 65 will have an enlarged prostate. This means he may need to get up several times a night to use the bathroom. I think we've all heard that from men. In an anti-inflammatory diet, just like what we're talking about today, actually, Plus, the supplement Prostate Pro has been shown to effectively reduce prostate inflammation. Prostate Pro contains key nutrients to help reduce prostate inflammation. For the best results, we recommend a nutrition consultation, and we'll talk about diet modifications and um, proper supplementation, including that Prostate Pro. We will be right back.
0: Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. Before break, Brittany gave the alarming statistic that 50% of men by the age of 65 will have an enlarged prostate. And she talked about a great supplement we have called Prostate Pro. In addition to that supplement, we we love to work with men to help them establish healthy eating habits that treat that inflammation that contributes to their prostate health. Please sign up for a consultation so you can get help with reducing signs and symptoms of prostate, of an enlarged prostate, and you can get some recommendations to eat food that helps you heal. Call us at 651 699 3438 to set up an appointment and get started. So, Brittany, just to kind of bring people back, Mm -hmm. um, I always like to just do a little bit of a a review um, so we, you know, kind of bring this all together. So far, we've talked about the many, many ways that PCOS can show up in people and and talking and trying to um, let people know that there are lots of ways and that it's very individual. And then we talked about one of the main reasons is because it's a syndrome. Mm-hmm. And so that means it affects all body systems. Mm-hmm. Therefore, it can show up in all body systems. And if we get more to the root cause, we were talking a lot about inflammation and blood sugar. Yep. As being very key things that we can work on with people to help prevent some of these signs and symptoms. And then finally, before break, we were able to start to get to some of the ways that we can help people mm-hmm. use food and lifestyle habits to help improve these signs and symptoms in PCOS.
1: Yeah, yeah. So insulin resistance is at the root cause for most women with PCOS. So it's all about reversing that insulin resistance and then those hormones will start to rebalance and those symptoms will will go away. Um, so what? how do we need to eat to reverse insulin resistance? You know, I mentioned healthy fat. That's so critical. So healthy fat would be olive oil, olives, avocado, avocado oil, um, raw nuts or seeds, mm-hmm. um butter as tolerated. What am I missing? Fatty fish. Yep. Um coconut milk. Yes. Coconut milk, coconut oil, mm-hmm. um, shredded coconut. So this healthy fat is critical because that really anchors our blood sugar. When you have insulin resistance, you're going to need to reduce carbs. So consequently, you need to then up that fat a little bit. Um, and then fat makes hormones. Mm-hmm. Fat helps to make hormones. So the healthy fat every single time you eat is is really key. Yeah,
0: I like to um, explain to people when we talk about blood sugar or even that insulin demand, mm-hmm. you know, so every time you're demanding that work from your pancreas, it's almost like you're overworking it, right? Yep. And really, fat is the only macro or mm-hmm. food that doesn't ask anything of your pancreas. Yes. So if you think of about it as it's kind of giving your body that rest yeah. and repair that it needs to be able to rebalance. And if you give it enough rest by repeating this again and again, you know, like you yeah. said, it doesn't happen in one day or two days, but yeah. it will happen. Um, your body will respond with a healthy metabolism and its insulin response will start to normalize yes. again. Um, so super important to realize that fat has no effect
1: on your insulin mm-hmm. response. I'm so glad mm-hmm. you, you brought that up. And then, you know, naturally, we need to reduce those carbohydrates to reverse insulin resistance. Which have a huge effect on your insulin
0: response, right?
1: So that means primarily focusing on those non-starchy vegetables like broccoli, cauliflower, um, tomatoes, cucumbers, greens, uh, green beans. I mean, the Mm -hmm. list goes on and on. So many. So you can eat as many of those as your heart desires. They're freebies. Yes. And then adding the fat
0: to those makes yep. it even delicious. And exactly. You're able to do both at the same time.
1: Yep. And then that protein is also really critical. So trying to get, you know, about three to four ounces of protein at every meal and protein sources would be animal sources Um, ideally organic, grass-fed, free-range, pasture-raised, all of that. So that could be eggs, uh, hamburger, chicken, turkey, Mm fish. They're all great. Yes. And don't be afraid
0: to, you know, um, I'll use this as a pun, but get a little wild with your meat. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I got to go there <laughs> and try some of those wild meat. Yeah. you know, some of the wild game. If you haven't tried things like venison or elk or, yeah. you know, bison, obviously there's lots of birds like pheasant, yeah. um, you know, but they all have these beautiful arrays of nutrients mm-hmm. and different amino acids that can really just feed you and feed your brain. Yeah. You know, um, and help stabilize those hormones and and, and and that insulin response.
1: So we're trying to get protein, healthy fat and veggies every time we eat. And then for the majority, if not all, women with PCOS, are really gonna benefit from eliminating gluten and dairy. And if you're if you're eating a lot of processed carbs, First, just focus on let's start there, getting rid yep. of those mm-hmm. and then you can always do a test uh down the road of eliminating that that gluten and dairy, and like you said earlier, it's not until you hundred percent eliminate something mm-hmm. that it becomes very apparent of how exactly. something is affecting you
0: and it and that is something that happens quickly, you know I mean yes. it it obviously the effect becomes more multiplied the longer you do it, where you yep. can see the benefits. But there are things that you can tell pretty quickly, you know, in the right or wrong direction uh, when you're eating foods or not eating those foods and how you feel.
1: So let's talk about what would this look like in a day? Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's what we like to do is give people practical ideas. So. For breakfast, and this is, is, I'll just share my personal example because, you know, for me, like I said, I have a low carbohydrate Mm -hmm. threshold. So I know that if I start my morning with carbohydrates, even the good kinds, Mm -hmm. that it just kind of throws me off for the day. So I really do focus on protein, fat, and the non-starchy vegetables for breakfast. So I like to, um, actually, as I'm making breakfast, I roast a pan of vegetables at the Mm. same time. So I just have them. And right now, it's like cabbage and carrots have kind of been my my go-to. They're delicious. And then those are easy just to throw on my plate. And then over that, you know, I can add a couple fried eggs you know, yeah. for some protein. Um, and then usually I just pick an extra meat. Um, you know, whatever we in our freezer right now, we have a lot of venison. So yeah. I like to maybe cook up some venison. Sometimes I do as a ground meat. Sometimes I do it, you know, as, as a steak. So that's an example yeah. for somebody that needs to keep it at a lower carbohydrate threshold. Sounds delicious. What do you do, Brittany, for breakfast?
1: Um, you know, sometimes I do eggs. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I might do more of a hash. Oh,
0: yes. Hashes are great.
1: And you can find now like shaved Brussels sprouts or combinations of shaved Brussels sprouts Mm -hmm. and kale and cabbage already chopped, which is great. Saves so much time. So I might saute that up um, with some sausage, some spices and some coconut oil or, or avocado oil. And then I always make extra.
0: Yes, always have extras you can grab at any point in time.
1: Exactly. I like that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It is important to know that you always have the ability to have access to that food, especially when those cravings come up. Mm -hmm. So you just know you can go in your fridge and, you know, something's easy as leftovers to pull out and eat when needed. Yeah. And then I think just the rest of the day, that balance is so, so important. You know, proteins, fats, vegetables, get most of your carbs from those vegetables. Yeah. If you stick to that, you're healing and you're reducing inflammation.
1: We have so many great recipes on our website. So I'd encourage you to go weightandwellness.com for lots of other ideas. Our goal
0: at Nutritional Weight and Wellness is to help each and every person experience better health through eating real food. It is a simple yet powerful message. Eating real food is life changing. Thank you for joining us today.